Welcome. You've tuned in to Living the Miracle with hosts Michael and Raphael Tamura. You are meant to live a joy-filled life, and you most certainly can. In this program, you will learn simple yet powerful psychic tools to help you fulfill your soul's purpose in this world. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Tamura and Raphael Tamura. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. I'm Raphael. And I'm Michael. The purpose for our show is to awaken souls, develop intuition, and fulfill purpose. Last week, we launched our new season, the 13-week season, with the overall theme of your spiritual path, psychic life, and your family by exploring an important item on your pre-birth checklist, that of choosing your birth mother and family. For our episode today, we decided to address the other end of your incarnation. So today's show is about death, the teacher of life. Over do, we, the- do we have to know <laughs> whether we're coming or going? <laughs> coming in or going out? Yeah. <laughs> Over the past 20 months, the whole world has been daily dealing with the ravages of the COVID pandemic. Here, almost two years into it, boy. And death has been on many people's minds, the fear of dying, the deaths of loved ones, so many people dying, and one's own mortality. We're being constantly reminded how many people have died each day as a result of being infected with the virus. On the other hand, life goes on, whatever is happening in the world, no matter who dies or doesn't die. Like they say in the theater community, the show must go on. For many people, even mentioning the word death or dying is a morbid subject. Yet more and more people are waking up to the fact that, well, sooner or later, each of us dies from this world. And more people are starting to realize that they don't have to drown in grief, guilt, and sorrow at the death of a loved one as difficult as such an experience may be. Some people are discovering that funerals and memorial services are meant to celebrate the life that their loved ones lived on earth and to give them a grand send-off to their next adventure. At the least, more people are having open and deeper conversations about death and dying. After all, if we can't even talk about death and dying, how can we ever hope to face it? with love and grace? How can we possibly offer our compassion and solace to those struggling with the death of a loved one or the prospects of their own impending death? Spiritual masters throughout the ages have told us that we cannot truly live until we first learn to die. Yet, few people know what it means to, quote-unquote, learn to die. After all, isn't dying a one-shot proposition? There aren't any practice runs for dying, are there? Well, actually, (laughs) there are. We each have many opportunities to practice dying during the course of our lives. To understand this, you have to reflect upon what dying means to the incarnated soul. Spirit, as we always say, is limitless, eternal, and immortal. That means spirit never dies and... We are all spirit. 
You are spirit, a spiritual being, a soul incarnated in this world through a body. Although sooner or later you complete your incarnation here and depart from your body and this world as a soul back to the spirit realm. That process of making your exit from this world we call dying. For those remaining in their incarnations here, what they see after your departure would be, well, a dead body, a corpse. Since you are the life in your body without you, the body can no longer be animated. That is where the main belief in dying and death comes from. It is strictly from the perspective of being only a physical body. From the perspective of the soul, however, there is no such thing as death. Remember, spirit can not die, not ever. Awareness is strictly of the spirit as is imagination and creativity. After you depart from your physical body and this world, you will continue to be aware, imaginative, and creative. Yet, while you are still incarnated here, even the prospect of dying can be terrifying. In fact, the most courageous of us would instinctively do what we feel necessary to avoid death if we come face-to-face with that prospect. However, with awareness, wisdom, and practice, we gradually learn to let the initial reaction pass and consider how we wish to make our exit from our body in this world when the time comes for us to do so. And by the way, not a moment sooner. (laughs) That's really important. I have had several instances so far in my life during which I thought that my time here on earth had come to its end. As I became more aware of truth and of my purpose for being here, the thoughts I have following the initial jolt of realization is that moment may arrive for my de- that that the moment may have arrived for my departure from here my experience of facing my possible death has progressed from becoming frozen in terror to having a clarity of choice shortly after that first reaction i now have much more certainty in knowing how to make my departure from here and that I will do so without any suffering when it's my time. And no matter how it is, I pass. We each have a great opportunity to practice dying every time we go to sleep. What is called dying here in this world is for the soul, the practice of exiting the physical body and returning our awareness and being to the spirit realms. After a night of being mostly out of the body, We return to our respective bodies in the morning and wake up to a new day here. That is a daily practice of dying and being reborn the next day, or even after a little 20-minute nap. What prevents you from dying correctly or gracefully? Holding on to the past or holding on to something you had projected into the future? What brings about suffering in the dying process is holding on to past regrets, guilt, blame, disappointments, mistakes, unfulfilled dreams, and so on. When you are at peace with yourself and the life you have lived here, you know you are complete with life. Even though you may know that if you stayed here longer, you would do more things, see more people, and have more experiences. Yet, that would be true forever, 
Just like if you were going to college, you could continue to take more and more and more classes, even if you graduated having successfully completed your courses in your major. If you stayed, even if you were done with your studies, it would defeat the purpose for which you went to school. The same applies to incarnating in this world to learn what we each need to learn to graduate from this school. Once we learn our lessons successfully, we need to graduate. What is usually feared and frowned upon, frowned upon as death is, in truth, our graduation ceremony for us as souls. Now, in this school we call living in the world, we have kind of a mini graduation after we complete each of our incarnations. And then many, many incarnations after, I mean, lessons after we uh, finish a lesson in our life. We may not be finished learning all of our lessons to complete our degree program, but we have completed a semester's worth of coursework. We have a mini graduation and go on our spiritual realm vacation until we are ready to return for our next semester of learning. When we continue our studies here for our next semester, we call that reincarnating. In the military, it would be similar to re-upping for another tour of duty We keep reincarnating or re-upping here until we finally are ready to graduate with our, drumroll please, master's degree. We become a master. One of the most important courses offered in this school of hard knocks here is that of dying. Not only are we given the opportunity to practice dying from our body each night as we go to sleep, we are giving given a whole variety of life experiences that teach us about dying. Any life experience you might have that makes it necessary for you to let go of something is an opportunity to practice dying. Let go also means forgiveness, by the way. Just to give such an example, when you break up from a relationship of any sort, it is foremost a lesson in dying. How is that? What makes a relationship breakup difficult for you is that you are holding on to something from the past in that relationship, what it used to be, how it was in the very beginning, or for the first so many years, what it could have been. Or you might be holding on to regretting that you ever committed to such a relationship or to being disappointed that it didn't work out the way you hoped it would, or to feeling guilty that you failed to make it work better, or to blaming the other person for causing you pain. In fact, for most people, the list can go on and on. Another example, when someone you love above all other dies. It is a supreme lesson in dying for you. What makes such an experience seemingly impossibly painful? All that you are holding on to about that relationship and that person. You might feel and believe that the loss is permanent, irreversible, and absolutely unacceptable. The grief and sorrow you feel seem to be never-ending. It may feel as if there is no way that you will ever get over such a huge loss. You might second-guess yourself with the woulda, coulda, shoulda scenarios. Believing that you cannot bear any further loss, you hold on to everything you feel you still have about that loved one, including all of the guilt, blame, anger, grief, sorrow, pain, and everything else. 
the lesson to let go, to forgive, and die with grace from all of it will stay with you until you learn it. And life continues to give you a variety of opportunities for you to practice and learn. Well, each of the times I've experienced what people call the death of the physical body, I had an entirely different experience than any of the other times. After my third death experience, for example, I I reflected upon whether there were any similarities at all or any consistencies in my experiences of what most people call death or dying. The first experience that it was consistent every time I I so-called crossed over was that the absence of all sense of time. And an absence of experience means there isn't even a thought of time at all, ever, not in spirit. It's fascinating that while I'm incarnated in this world, the thought of time is rarely out of my mind, right? I I lost count of how many times a day I look at the clock or a watch to see what time it is, or more frequently, Raphael, what time is it? So true. When I exercise, I often use a timer to indicate how many minutes I've been doing that exercise. When I cook, I often refer to a timer to tell me when to turn off the heat or check what's cooking in the oven, right? The awareness and thought of time is there most of the time. (laughs) Yet in spirit, not even a thought of time exists. So upon reflection of my death experiences, I realized that the absence of time was constant and consistent. Then the next thing I discovered upon reflection was that with each death experience, I became acutely aware of how selfish I am when I am in my incarnation here. Once again, by contrast in spirit, where there is a total absence of any selfishness. I didn't experience ever thinking about myself or of a me when I was in spirit. In fact, a big part of my experience during my third death experience was that of an absence of any I, me, or myself. I can't ever describe even what that's like because there's no I to actually experience it. Yet it wasn't nothingness like a lot of people think it might be. Neither was it somethingness. (laughs) All I can say is that it was beyond everything and nothing. Beyond being and not being. Which means beyond all dichotomies. No, either, or. The idea and even the sense experience of that there is, a, is an either, or is right here in this world. You got to have time and space to have either, or. You have to have division to have either, or. Well, in contrast, especially after I returned here into my incarnation, It was extraordinary to realize how much of living my life 
has been about me, right? <laughs> a good portion of every day is lived from the perspective of me or an I. I'm doing this. What happened to me today was, you know, it's, there's always an I or me in there. In fact, it's very difficult to talk or write without using I or me. <laughs> Are you talking to me? Nice. I'm talking to you. You're talking to me, myself and I. I yeah. <laughs> uh, we got a group here. Yet, I also got to experience that when I'm teaching, giving counseling, guiding or mentoring someone, tending to others, healing, creating, sharing my experiences with others, with others I'm in spirit more fully. And the I and the me begin to disappear. Even if the story I'm tearing, it's telling, you know, I, I share a lot of stories from my life. But even if the story I'm sharing is about me, you know, I did this and I went through that and I had this experience and all of that, the sharing of the story is the actual sharing part is not about me or for me. It's like playing music. When you truly play music, it becomes about the music and not the one playing it, right? When you live as spirit, you become your eternal and limitless self and the me or individual I begins to disappear. And when you live as a body, it becomes all about me, myself, and mm -hmm. I. That's the most important lesson that death teaches about life, that there is no death. Everyone who has gone through the experience of their physical body dying will learn the certainty that there is no such thing as death. That's the meaning of many a master's teaching that until we die, we cannot truly live. Once you experience that you believed was death, you discover that there is no such thing as death. The end of life, the end of us. Without death, there can be no loss. We're coming up upon our first break. And at this time, we like to tell you about things we have going on. So we wanted to invite you to join us for our next teleclass, Your Journey and Your Destination, Energy Work to Heal Your Work Life. As part of our You Might Be More Psychic Than You Think teleclass series, open to everyone this Saturday, November 13th from 10 a.m. to noon Pacific time. You'll learn how to do psychic energy work to help you make every aspect of your work life not only more productive and less problematic, but also more fun. And for those of you who are in foreign countries, you can always purchase it and listen to it later if you don't want to attend the live uh, presentation. For all the details and to sign up, go to our November events calendar section at michaeltamora.com or call our office and speak with our fabulous assistant, Noel, who knows everything about what's going on with us at 530 926-2650 during normal business hours, Pacific time, Monday to Friday. We'll be right back and continue with Death, the Teacher of Life. We'll be right back.
If you love Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora, you'll love their teleclasses, seminars, and retreats. Check out their upcoming events at michaeltamora.com forward slash events. The best book ever. Transformational. Incredible information. One of the best books I've ever read. Inspirational. A must read for anyone interested in accomplishing their purpose. That's what readers around the world are saying about You Are the Answer. The award-winning book by Michael J. Tomorrow, beloved spiritual teacher and clairvoyant visionary. Order your copy now at Amazon.com. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. Find out more about everything that they offer at michaeltamura.com. And be sure to sign up for their free monthly newsletter. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. Welcome back, everyone. What teaches us about living our life more fully than the prospect of dying? We've been talking about death as the teacher of life. So let's continue. And Michael had some thoughts about this that he's going to continue with right now. Ah, yes. Thoughts about death and dying. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's uh, before the break, I was talking about without death, there's no experience of loss. Because death is what we experience and believe is the end of things. So generally, when we talk about dying and death, we talk about our, the death of the physical body. And, but the experience of death and dying, you know, I'm sure many of you have had experiences where uh, you've experienced the death of, of a loved one and at least for a while, it feels like you, you lost some huge part of your life. You, you, you lost something incredibly important to you, right? And um, uh, that experience feels completely real. It's, it's, you feel it to your, to your cells, so to speak, in, in the, toward the middle of your beingness. It's a shock and and it feels like you're never going to have that, whatever that was, that relationship, that love, that communication, friendship, whatever you shared with that other person, feels like you're never going to have that back again. Ah, So that's death, isn't it? It's the end of things, end of relationship, end of love, end of life, end of having a certain kind of life. In the course of many, many wildfires and all kinds of disaster, natural and, and 
artificial disasters. In the last few years, many people have lost their homes. One day they're living in this nice place and the next day it's ashes. People over the course of the pandemic, so many people have lost their jobs. Oh, sources of income. All those are experienced oftentimes as, well, we do experience them as whatever that was, that important thing to us, ended. It's dead. It's ended. So that's, that's the overall experience of what we call death, isn't it? Death of a relationship, death of a marriage, death, death of a friendship, death of a job, death of a resident. Yeah, it's the end. So every experience we have in which we experience any kind of loss, small or large, is a lesson in our dying. And when we finally surrender to the fear of death and let go, we discover that we didn't die and that we never will. I've experienced that several times with physical bodily death, what, what most people call that. And I'm sure everybody's experienced that with some kind of a thing that thought was death to themselves, you know? Oh, I'll never get this back. This is, I'll never get over this. But most of us, over time, we heal. We start to the process of, okay, life goes on. We're still here. I'm still breathing. I need to wake up and get out of bed, get dressed, all those kinds of things. Sooner or later, especially with the help of loved ones, friends, people who support us, ah, we're able to get past it. And soon, we're living life again. Once we learn to die gracefully, we discover that there is no death. So once we get over that hump of fear and grief and loss and all of that, we go, whoa, my life is even better than it's ever been. Which means there is no loss. No matter what the death was for you, no matter what you felt you lost, sooner or later, you heal. You let go. And all that we believed we lost and grieved over, you realize, was never lost. Those who we believed were dead and gone forever aren't and never will be gone. Only our appearances change, not who we are. The specter of death is the greatest teacher of life. Once we look upon its appearance, we see eternal life. If we stopped at the face of death, we get scared and it's the end. But we have to look past it, look through it, beyond it, and we see life everlasting. Once we live beyond the illusion of death, we realize that there is only that eternal life. The fear of dying in any form eclipses the radiant, all-giving source of our life, and we imagine, we imagine that we live in its shadows. What's the most important practice of dying with grace? 
forgiving the illusory images of death and loss, of guilt, blame, and judgment we hold in our mind in favor of the eternal reality of life-giving spirit. Let go of your death grip on such images containing the isolating thoughts and feelings that seem to hold you hostage. Celebrate and share the joy and the radiance that is you instead. I wanted to share with you some experience that I've had. Death really is a representative of letting go. If any of you play with uh, tarot cards or any kind of um, angel cards or anything like that, you'll always find that's the meaning. It's a letting go process. Well, I remember when I was 10 years old, uh, lying in bed one night, getting ready to go to sleep, and suddenly I became absolutely terrified of the thought of death as as the prospect of not being anything, not being awake and having fun and, and all this. I was 10, you know, 10-year-olds think about having fun. And I remember keeping myself awake for quite a while, <clears throat> worrying about that. Or at the time my mother was pregnant with another one of my siblings, <clears throat> I was worried about her dying or the baby dying. And I really didn't understand what what this whole thing was. And it really wasn't until I was a teenager when I had an out-of-body experience via an astral experience, when I was sleeping, visiting a guy I was kind of um, interested in at the time, and then later speaking with him, and he was able to uh, convey the exact conversation we had while I was floating over him. So that's when I knew when you get out of your body, you don't lose your awareness of yourself. Now, Michael was talking about at a certain portion of our merging back with the oneness, we do lose the I. But don't be afraid of that because you don't go to that space until you are absolutely ready for it. When you're out of your body, when you pass over, the person is still him or herself or itself uh, 100% just like they were in life. Some people have the idea that when someone passes over, um, they become all-knowing about everything, and that's not true. When people pass over, they become just more of themselves and more aware that spirit is real. Even a person who, say, is an atheist. An atheist is a person who doesn't believe in anything or doesn't believe there's a God or anything like that. You know, we have a little joke about, uh, about atheists when they die. What happens when an atheist pass, passes over, well, they're all dressed up with no place to go. <laughs> but truly, if, if you are a person who is on the kind of on the borderline of, I don't know if I, I believe in any of this or anything like that, all it takes is starting to pay attention to the things in your life and to what you go through when someone else passes over or what you go through when you have one of those experiences like we discussed earlier in the show where you are letting go of something that's really important to you, like a job or finishing for an artist, finishing a piece of art and then being able to let it go into the hands of the owner who's going to have that art on their wall. You know, uh, it's very interesting when I think about that whole process that artists go through. I knew an artist once 
who came to me because he had he was really a good artist very fine beautiful art he was still living with his mother because he wasn't selling his art <clears throat> and he asked me what what's going on here and i could see he was holding on to the art he wasn't letting it go and he said well that's kind of true i'm afraid you know it's all stored in in my mom's garage and i'm afraid somebody's going to come and steal it or something and i said you better either move it somewhere else so you don't feel that way or just start the process of letting it go so it can go to whoever it belongs to. You know, letting go of a piece of art that you've worked hundreds of hours on sometimes is really difficult for an art artist. Just like it is difficult for a business owner who has a successful business to, to sell or let go of his business when he's at the height of it and still enjoying having that business. So this death thing is not much different than that. It's letting go of something for something better. So with an artist, it's letting go of your art so that you can start to have your income from your art. For a business person, it's uh, if they're forced to, say, let go of their business um, and move into something else because of, let's say, a physical disability or something like that, to be able to do it with that grace and knowledge that that what's coming next is going to be just as important to them. Yeah. You know, when you're looking at letting go artists, a lot of artists, I've, I've seen the same thing that Raphael just mentioned about this particular artist. I've, I've seen many artists who were starving artists uh, who couldn't get their work sold because they were holding on to it. They're, it's like almost at that level where a mother holds on to her baby. You know, if somebody tries to snatch that baby away, that mother is not going to <laughs> go lightly. <laughs> in a way, she'd rather die. Yeah, she'd then. either rather die or kill you before she lets go of that child. Yep. And, and what is that? That's that the difficulty in letting go of what you feel is your creation. It's part of you. And that artist who paints that incredible painting or makes that sculpture, there's a tendency to go, I did that. I made this. It, it came out of me. I birthed it. And, and identifies so strongly with their what they created, what they made, that they can't, it's, it's like they're going to die if they let go of it. That's why I, I use that term, you know, you have to let go of your death grip. What's a death grip? A death grip is you're holding on to something so tightly because you're afraid. You, you so believe that if you let this go, you are going to die. You're going to lose the most important thing to you, your life. That's why you hold on so tightly, psychologically, mentally, you know, psychically, whatever way, or even right down to the physical. So that's that letting go process. That's really what forgiveness is, is, is just going, oh, yeah, I'm fighting. I'm fighting to hold on to this, this anger, this, this regret, this guilt, this uh animosity, jealousy, whatever it is, 
that you have a hard time letting go of. And if you look underneath that, you'll find, oh, you're not letting go of that because whatever that is that you're holding on to, you believe, at least unconsciously, you believe that it's if you let go of that, you're going to lose something incredibly important. Something You're, you're going to lose your life. You're going to lose who you are. And that's never true. Once you learn to die gracefully or let go of things with forgiveness, you'll find, oh, I'm still here. <laughs> and in fact, I now have more life than I did before when I was afraid I was going to die. Well, our second break is coming up, so we wanted to invite you to our annual holiday seminar weekend. We normally offer in the greater Los Angeles area when we're traveling, which we're not right now, but we're going to do it once more as a special remote for teleclass plus bonus Zoom post-class Q&A and social over the weekend of Saturday, December 4th and Sunday, December 5th. The overall theme for the whole weekend is celebrating the Christ within reading the roadmap to living your joy. The two teleclasses on Saturday are titled as follows from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific time. The first one is first seek that which gives everything your key to abundance, success, and fulfillment. And from noon to 2 p.m. Pacific time on the same day, December 4th, is purifying your heart, seeing your way clearly with the eye of spirit. And then the two teleclasses on Sunday will be from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific time, removing the log in your own eye, the secret to healing yourself in every relationship, and at 12 to 2 p.m. Pacific time, loving your neighbor as yourself, your toll-free expressway to God. Plus, anyone who participates in at least one of the four teleclasses that weekend will be invited to our popular bonus Zoom post teleseminar Q&A and talk story social with both Michael Tamura and myself, Raphael Tamura, which will start a half an hour after the completion of the fourth teleclass on Sunday. So please be sure to mark your calendars and stay tuned for all the details in our upcoming shows, websites, newsletter, and social media posts. Any questions you have about our upcoming events and classes, feel free to call our office at 530-926-2650 weekdays during business hours Pacific time. We'll return to more on death, the teacher of life, in just a moment. We'll be right back. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. Find out more about everything that they offer at michaeltamura.com. And be sure to sign up for their free monthly newsletter. The best book ever. Transformational. Incredible information. One of the best books I've ever read. Inspirational. A must-read for anyone interested in accomplishing their purpose. That's what readers around the world are saying about You Are the Answer. The award-winning book by Michael J. Tamora, beloved spiritual teacher and clairvoyant visionary. Order your copy now at Amazon.com. 
If you love Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora, you'll love their teleclasses, seminars, and retreats. Check out their upcoming events at michaeltamora.com forward slash events. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. It's great to have you back. We've been exploring the topic, the happy topic of (laughs) death as the teacher of life. So let's continue what death teaches us about life now. Well, one of the things I wanted to talk about was what some of you go through when someone dies and how awful that is and how you can make that better. Um, One of the things that I like to share, and I've shared several times on this show, is I had one little near-death experience a number of years ago after eating a very bad sandwich. Three days later, I was on the other side for a bit. And one of the things that I came back with part of that experience was when you're out, when you're when you've passed over and I didn't go completely over to over the threshold and through it but I knew I was out of the body I knew exactly where I was actually the thing that astounded me when I came back to my body was the body did not matter at all it's like you're still there and the body is nothing it was the most awakening experience here I had been doing the psychic work all these years and it was still Having that experience of here I am, and I was with a guide, and the guide was telling me I had finished everything I came to do, and this was about 1996, quite a while ago, and that I had the choice to go over or come back again, come back to my body. And literally, I had absolutely no opinion about it. I didn't, it's not that I didn't care, I just had no opinion because the body in that state means nothing. So why I'm talking about this is for those of you that go through that horrible grief and sorrow, you know, some people say that the deeper the grief, the more the love. And that's really true. But on the other hand, if you can raise your awareness when when you get the sudden news that someone has passed over that you care about a lot or who is very close to you, if you could just remind yourself during the course of your natural grieving that that person is probably celebrating and uh, having a good time. And you're the one that's not having the good time. You know, some people uh, react to death like, oh, my God, that poor person, how awful for them and, and that sort of thing. But it's on that level, it's not awful at all. I guess the most difficult would be for someone who's committed suicide. But even people who have committed suicide are greeted by and helped by spirit to uh, show them, you know, why they shouldn't have done that and and that sort of thing um, because suicide is never an answer. You know, we can talk about how beautiful the other side is, but we don't belong in that state until we're supposed to be. Yeah, and I want to have you 
think about what Raphael said in the last segment of our show when she was talking about, oh, yeah, when you cross over, you're still you. And that was to clarify for many of the listeners when I talked about, oh, yeah, when I cross over on the other side, there is no me, I, myself, all of that. And after that, she wanted to mention that, yeah, for most people, when they cross over, uh, they're still going to experience themselves as I my am. and me and I and all of that uh, in spirit. And, and then that's when you're not finished with that cycle. And this is what brings you back here. And this is why what Raphael said that you are the same when you cross over, you're, you're still you, is what's so important about living your life here in this incarnation. And because this is where you have to master yourself. This is where you have to gain your mastery so that when you finally finished here, then when you cross over, there is no I, me, or myself or anything like that. There's no identification like that because you don't need it. You realize you're the whole, the entire beingness. And to learn that, to have that experience, this is the practice of dying. We started this show today with, oh yeah, you have to, we have opportunities every day to die and, and to learn to die gracefully, to let things be. Letting go, first and foremost, means you have to be able to let it be. And so Raphael is talking about the, the, what makes it so difficult, especially when, when you feel like you lost the love of your life. When you feel like, wh whether that love of your life is, is a person or uh, a career or, or you know, your hobby, your main interest in life or whatever it is, the thing that you love the most, if you ever experience that feeling of it's gone forever, you're never going to get it back, that's what the experience of grief is. And, and uh, when Raphael was mentioning about uh, the more you love, the more you, you grieve deeply. Is, uh, deeply is what a lot of people think. But it's not the loving that brings about the grief. It's the holding on to that loving and feeling as if, if I let go of this person or object that I love so much, I'm not going to have that love anymore. And that holding on to is what brings about the incredible excruciating pain, the grief and the sorrow that, you know, this is the end. That's the, that's the experience of death that we have to get through to the other side of that to realize, oh, I didn't die after all. I didn't lose that love after all. In fact, when I could let that be as it is, Everything lightens up, and there's even more experience of that love. And it's not connected to or dependent upon one person or one thing. No, you can't even get rid of it <laughs> at that point. It's, it's there. 
It's intrinsic to your own beingness. So that that experience that makes it so difficult to go through the death of a loved one or your impending death, you know, the fear and everything of, oh, no, I'm going to die. I don't want to die. All that stuff. What makes it difficult and, and that the intensity of grief and, and those emotions, what makes that so difficult is resisting it, going, I don't want to go there. I don't want to feel this. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be in sorrow. I don't want to. It's fighting it. And the more you fight it, the bigger it gets. It consumes you. But to get past it, to be free of it, you have to let it be. Letting go doesn't mean get rid of it. No. That's, that's what so many people misunderstand about letting go. I, I often watch people internally, you know, trying to let go, trying to let go. I'm trying to let go. I've been trying to let go of this for 40 years. <laughs> uh, what's not working there? Oh, because they're, they're treating the letting go like they have a, a wad of bubble gum stuck to their hand and they're shaking their hand back and forth and up and down trying to get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it. No, I'm trying to let go of it. That's not letting go. That's resisting it. That's trying to get rid of it. Letting go means, literally, means let it be as it is. Whatever your experience of it, whatever emotional experience you're having, ah, let it just be that way. Oh, why do you try to get rid of it, if, of anything, is you don't like it and you're afraid of it. You just go, oh, I, I can't stand this. I can't stand this. I, I, I don't want to feel this way. I'm afraid if I keep on feeling this way, I'm going to go nuts. That's kind of the feeling, isn't it? But if you... Just ground yourself and decide, oh, what if I just let it be? Maybe it's not so bad. Maybe it's not going to kill me. Oh, that takes courage, right? Because, and what courage is, is being able to love yourself enough to stand behind yourself, so to speak. When no one else is supporting you, you feel all alone, isolated, Ah, there's still one more person who's got your back. That has to be you. You can't abandon yourself. You have to be, oh, yeah. I'm in it together with myself. <laughs> I'm in it together with the part of me that's freaking out right now. Yeah. So the part of you that's freaking out is just freaking out. But the part of you that's, oh, there's always that part that's, at peace. It might seem like a very distant part. It might seem like it's, it's just a little tiny part of you where the rest of you is freaking out. But no, it's just that the freaking out part is actually the smaller part of you. Way, way, way smaller part of you. But it seems like the bigger part because it's making all the noise. The huge, vast, limitless part of you never makes any noise never complains. It's always total peace. It's quiet. So that's why you have to look for the quiet in you to find that part of you that has the compassion. So whenever you are struggling with grief and grieving and, and, and sorrow, 
The real struggle isn't the grieving and it's not the sorrow you experience. It's the blame and the guilt. When you are blaming yourself for putting yourself in that place where the grief is. For example, I lost my loved one because I didn't do this. I could have, should have, would have, like Raphael was saying earlier. And that blame and the guilt it comes from. You blame yourself only when you're guilty about something, right? So you got to recognize that and go, oh, yeah, I have to let my blaming and, and guilt just be for a moment. And... Okay, I experienced that. And is it really true? Did I make this all happen? No. No. It's life goes on. People make choices on a much higher level. And so when you start to come to terms with that and just realize, okay, I can just let this emotion, this feeling be for a while. Then you'll notice, oh, You've stepped out of it. It, You might still experience it, but you're not being it anymore. Then, once you stepped out of the blaming and the guiltiness that brought about the blaming and the judging yourself and all that stuff, then you can let that grief and sorrow just be. And and not be afraid that it's going to consume you. And ruin your life. No, just let it be. It'll pass. Everything will pass. And as it does, oh, you start coming out on the other side of it. And you start to see the truth. And the truth, like I always say, sets you free. free. Absolutely. One of the takeaways I've gotten out of working with, you know, being an older person and having had lots of people in my life pass over is to refine my practice in my relationships in the first place. If I don't hold a grudge, if I learn not to hold a grudge or finish in my relationships that are going to be finished in high integrity, the level of that grief becomes a lot less because people grieve as much for the person who they didn't like as the people that they love. I've seen it many times. Well, once again, we've come to the end of our show today. We're grateful that you joined us and hope that you gained some new insights into what death teaches you about living your life. Be sure to join us next Wednesday for our episode on your spiritual path, autonomy, and family. To look at the part to look at the part the dichotomy between your autonomy and your family relationship plays in your spiritual growth. Remember, too, to join us for our next teleclass this Saturday, November 13th, coming right up, 10 a.m. to noon Pacific time, on your journey and your destination energy work to heal your work life as part of our You Might Be More Psychic Than You Think teleclass series. Check our website or call our office at 530-926-2650 for details or to sign up. Until then, be inspired, use your imagination, and follow your intuition joyfully. This is Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. We'll see you next week.
We appreciate your joining us today. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura can be heard live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again next week, remember to wake up to who you are. It's your purpose here on Earth.